and I am live back with an impromptu episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and I'm flying solo for this because I had some things I wanted to get off my chest. So don't worry, this is not your weekly episode, this is not like a normal episode, just think of it almost like a bonus episode. But I did want to talk to you guys about something. I wrote a post earlier today on my Facebook page, The Autistic Author, about some issues I was having with some members of the autism community, and that that really got me upset. So I want to talk through that. I feel like I can talk through that better than I can write through it, so that's what I'm going to do. Earlier today... I was listening to a podcast about parenting, parenting kids with autism or other disabilities, mostly autism. And one of the guests, most of the guests were great, but one of the guests was a real, shall we say, martyr parent, a martyr mom. That's what we call them, the autistic community, because they carry that cross. Their life is so hard because their child is autistic. Their child has special needs, it affects their lives in a myriad of ways, and they want people to understand that and, be, and to be frank, feel bad for them, which is understandable. But this woman crossed the line into martyrdom when she went on for about 25 minutes about how her child's autism basically ruined her life. It put a strain on her marriage. Push, they had to put a strain on her siblings, the, the autistic child's siblings, and how it strained their faith. And they worked hard within their church to be able to reconcile the, the awful, and that's what she called it, the awful circumstances they had been handed by God and just went on and on and on. And quite frankly, it was a little triggering. And I want to go into why. It was triggering for me. Because it might not be quite the reason that you would expect. So, before I continue, I'm going to say some stuff about my life. Some of it I've talked about on the podcast. Not really in detail because I try to only give you stuff that's relevant to whatever topic we're talking about that day. So, this is going to be a bit more in-depth to like my upbringing and things like that. And the reason I'm telling you guys this is not because I want sympathy or empathy or anyone to feel bad for me or anything. In fact, I feel bad sharing this because I don't want to put anybody in a bad mood. Especially, this is probably going to go out tomorrow morning or later today, I guess. So that would be Thursday morning. I don't want anybody to start their day off in a bad way. But I need to tell you some of these things to give you guys context and to give you guys an idea that I know how you feel. I'm not a parent. I'm definitely not a parent of an autistic child. But I have been a caregiver. I am currently actually a part-time caregiver. I understand, at least in part, what you guys are going through. So the stuff I'm going to say is so you can understand that I relate to you. I'm not just criticizing any parent from on high for needing to vent. So now we got that out of the way. Most of you know, if you follow the podcast, I didn't have a great relationship with my father. This is mainly because my dad, I'm convinced, was undiagnosed autistic. He was also druggy, and he just had a lot of mental illness. Both my parents struggled with mental illness. My mom died when I was 11, 
And before that, she was quite abusive because untreated mental illness will do that. So I was raised by my dad. And my dad was... He, he had issues. He had issues, just to say the least. And one of his things was he would constantly murder parent to everybody, including me. He would blame me for everything. Tell me that's the reason his marriage failed. I'm the reason people would people died earlier than they should have. At one point, he actually blamed me for why my mom died early. Yeah. So he constantly he would a big he was a big fan of saying that Torn I would have probably jumped off a bridge if I didn't have to stick around for you like that sort of stuff. I grew up listening to that, and I grew up listening to him telling doctors about how hard it was to raise me and. How rough he had it, but no, he wasn't gonna put me up for adoption. He was, he was gonna, he was gonna stick it out because he was my father, and he loved me, and he was gonna do what he can. But God, it's so hard, and this type of bull crap that I grew up listening to. So on the one hand, I got a little triggered listening to this parent because the way this mother talked about her daughter is how my father talked about me, oftentimes in front of me. Just because you think your kid doesn't understand what you're saying because they may not communicate verbally or communicate verbally the way everybody else does, doesn't mean they don't understand what you're saying. It doesn't mean they're not picking up on how you feel. It is very important, very important to control your emotions, for lack of a better word, and not let them see through. Not let your kids see how frustrated you are by having to raise them. And I know it's hard. And I know sometimes things become too much. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But it's very important not to let that affect your parenting. Because it has lasting effects. So, to continue on. My dad, due to all the drug abuse, developed early onset dementia. So by the time I was 17 or 18, in that ballpark, 17 or 18, I was senior in high school, trying to get into college, because which I would be the first uh, person in my family to actually get into a university. So that's what I was trying to do, because we came from poverty. There wasn't a lot of like success. It was just me and my dad. My aunt was involved, but she had her own stuff going on. And my mom's side of the family basically lost contact with me after my mom died when I was 11. So it was mostly me and my dad. And I had to care give for my dad as a 17-year-old, as an 18-year-old in high school. I, I didn't do a good job of it, but I had to because he couldn't take care of himself. He couldn't remember to to sign papers he needed to sign. He oftentimes couldn't cook for himself. The house never got clean. He couldn't do laundry, things like that. So I did the best I could to step in. I didn't do a good job of that, but I did the best I could to sort of step in and be that guy and be the caregiver because I had to be. Meanwhile, while I was doing that, I was watching friends of mine take six-week vacations to Hawaii and get to do, like, normal high school or stuff while I was working full-time because I had to work full-time to support myself and my dad's meth habit. Having meltdowns every week because I couldn't handle the job. I couldn't handle the hours. I couldn't handle the commute on the subways, all the crowds and the lights and all the sensory overload stuff. But I had to do it because I had no choice. The reason I'm saying this is I felt like it was unfair I know what that feels like when your child's having a bad day 
or a bad week or even a bad month and you see your friends with neurotypical children or even other ND children not have to go through what you're going through, that anger, that sense that's not fair and why you, why you, why you, I understand it. I might not have kids, but I understand it because I felt like that when I had to care give for the man who told me just horrendous stuff about me and basically destroyed any chance I had of like having self-esteem. And now I had to care give for him. After he'd spent years telling every doctor how useless I was and how much of a burden I was. I understand how you feel. But at the same time, you can't let that affect how you raise your kids. I'm struggling as a 30-year-old. This was over 10 years ago. My dad's been dead for about a decade now. And I still struggle to prove myself. And I still constantly doubt myself. And I want to prove that I'm not just a burden. That I'm not a waste of space. That I'm not someone other people have to worry about. That I'm objectively successful. That anybody that sees me thinks I'm successful. And that's something I worry about because I grew up having to hear how I'll never be any of those things. It's the reason you've heard me on the podcast talk about how I don't like telling kids they're autistic. I wouldn't tell if I had a child. I wouldn't tell him he was autistic unless I absolutely had to. Because I got told when I was a kid. And I got told I was autistic and that I was useless and that I wouldn't be able to do X, Y, and Z. And now I had to arrange my entire life into proving to people that I can do X, Y, and Z. So I don't want, I don't want other kids to have to go through what I went through. But it worries me when I still hear podcasts like the one I heard today of these parents. And this parent does, did have it hard. Their, their daughter had very high support needs. I'm sympathetic to that. And I'm sympathetic to the idea that parents need a spell. They need a chance to vent. I get all of that. But at the same time, you have to think of the damage you're doing. And I know I'm sort of talking in circles and I apologize. And I won't keep this too long, but I'm also not going to edit it because I want people to understand where my headspace is at and I don't want it to be too glossy. And I'm sure some of you are like, wait, these podcasts are edited? Yeah, generally I do do some editing. I know it doesn't seem like it because I'm not very good at it. I'm, I'm Just like you're learning about autism, I'm learning how to do audio editing. But I'm not going to edit this one, at least not too much. I want people to understand like where my head is at because... It's in a place where I am very frustrated. I'm also very hopeful because I've seen a lot of good things. I've seen things like not an autism mom, an autistic typing's book, I Will Die on This Hill, do numbers, watching the pre-sales for Fidgets and Fries book, A Day With No Words, do numbers. That's super encouraging. But at the same time, I, I see podcasts like this where... They're just saying awful stuff about their kids. Like, they're, like their kids are, are a malevolent force acting upon them. And I can never understand going on a podcast and airing out your kids who cannot speak for themselves. They can't defend themselves. They can't, they can't go on the podcast next week and say, actually, half of what my mom says is bullshit. They can't do that. So I can never imagine going on a podcast and publicly airing out your child. Because you're having a bad day, or a bad month, or a bad week. I, I can't put myself in that headspace, much as I'd like to. Because I always want to put myself in the headspace of different types of people. So I can best understand them, and best 
help them. Me and Stacy can best help them. And I talked about this with Stacy earlier today. And the reason I didn't want to do a full podcast episode is one, we've already done an episode on martyr parents. But two, I know most of you listening get all this. This is a lot of preaching to the choir. There's a lot of me venting. And to be fair, I'm not even sure if I'm going to post this. I probably will because I, I do want people to, to really put themselves on notice and monitor how they speak with their children and how they speak about their children, around their children. I'm sure a lot of you are doing this already, but no one's perfect. People slip up, and it's okay to slip up. But those long-term effects, because it's not just once. You can slip up, and that's fine. But if you're doing it over the course of years, speaking about your kid, this woman, her daughter was in her teens. She'd been speaking like that about her daughter for, her, for for over a decade. That's the type of stuff that causes lasting damage. And she thinks, well, her daughter's high support needs, so her daughter doesn't understand anyway. Her daughter's not going to listen to podcasts. Her daughter's not going to pick up on the resentment. At one point, the parent said, I'm mourning a child that I thought I would have. Now, when I heard that, I remember, I'm old enough to remember that when People have imaginary friends over the age of about eight. They usually get a little worried because adults aren't supposed to have imaginary friends. They lock people up for stuff like that. But apparently, if you have an autistic child with high support needs, you can create this imaginary child that doesn't exist, that never existed, that you acknowledge never existed, mourn that child, and no one thinks you're crazy. And I know I'm taking the piss. And I know it can be a challenge for a lot of parents, especially when you first get the diagnosis. So I don't want to throw shade. But at the same time, you got to think about it. You're mourning a child that never existed. While at the same time being resentful towards the child that does. That, that, I don't even know what to say at that point. I, like, I really don't know what to say. I want to be empathetic to parents who are in that situation. I want to be empathetic, but I just can't. I hate to admit that, but I just can't because I can't understand how you can be so resentful. Even if your child does have high support needs. Like, I was resentful having to take care of my dad, so I get that part. But I was resentful, not because he was sick, but because he was such a crappy person. And he continued to be a crappy person even as I took care of him. In fact, he got worse. And he, I guess he didn't, by that point, his mind was a little gone, so he couldn't quite help everything he said. But he'd always been a crappy person, even when he had his wits about him. That's why I was resentful. These children... They're not doing it. They're not bad people. Children aren't bad people. They're not. They're not doing it because they're bad. They're doing it because they can't help themselves, and they've done nothing to deserve that sort of just anger and vitriol that I'm hearing from some of these parents. Like, like these kids ruin their life, blaming them for why their marriage failed. Yes, I understand statistics. If you have a child with a disability, your marriage is more likely to be strained. I get that. My dad blamed me for his marriage, too, while ignoring the fact that he was a drug addict. And my mom clearly had several undiagnosed mental disorders. My parents met at an outpatient hospital, for Christ's sake. The doctors were trying to find legal reasons why they couldn't get married. Yet somehow it was my fault their marriage failed. 
I don't want to tell anybody, well, shit, your marriage probably failed because it wasn't strong to begin with. I'm not, I, I'm not saying that. And I don't want to say that. But you have to have some introspective ability to look at your own life and say, okay, maybe it wasn't all just the disabled child. Maybe there was some other stuff going on that just got that disa- that the disabled child added to. I need people to use some introspective ability. They talk about how autistic people can't do that. I need everybody else to be able to do that. Because I'm sick of hearing stuff like this because I understand the damage it's causing. And it doesn't go away overnight. It doesn't. I'm still dealing with this. Like I said, I got triggered. I hate to use that phrase. I really do. Even though that actually is a real psychological thing being triggered, quote unquote. But I hate the fact that I even have to do this podcast. I even have to write a post about it on my Facebook page. The fact that now an autism mom, her screen name is now an autism mom because she wants to differentiate herself, differentiate herself from all the autism moms who act like it's the end of the world. There's a book that just came out called Warrior Mom. Warrior Mom. About her battle with autism. Like, once again, a malevolent force. Not a human being who's struggling in a world not made for them. Always put the child first. Your parents, for Christ's sake, you chose to be parents. Unlike me, where I had to be a caregiver, I didn't choose my father. Because trust me, if I could, I wouldn't have chosen him. Would have had to have lost a bet or something. I didn't get that choice. You made that choice. And I know most of you who are listening are making the right choices and are doing all the stuff I'm saying. If you're doing this, this isn't addressed towards you. But I want anyone who might be listening who finds themselves having a bad moment to just remember the damage it could possibly cause. And just try to think of ways they can make it better, try to mitigate some of that damage and just Put your child first. I know it sounds like a lot because you're probably saying, well, Torin, I put my child first on everything. And yes, I get that. But this is one more thing I need you to put them first. Think of them first. Think of them as a human being, not a malevolent force that's acting upon you because they're not. Because they're children. Children aren't inherently evil. They're not trying to ruin your life. They're not my dad who admitted over and over he was purposely trying to ruin my life because he didn't want me to be successful because he wasn't. They're not that. They're children who need affection and need understanding and need patience. And I know you're giving all of that already. But I need just a little more because I'm sick of seeing these podcasts and seeing these books and seeing these meltdown videos of their child having the worst day of the week, worst day of their month, being posted like, this is autism. Screw you, this is autism. No. Autism is a whole bunch of things. I'm autism. You're autism. We're all autism. It's not just meltdowns and sensory overload and beating your head against walls. And you guys, you guys already know this. But just be careful. Be careful how you address this stuff, and I hope I didn't come off as too bullish and too accusatory, because that's really not my intent. I just want to raise awareness, just like parents who post meltdown videos because they want to quote-unquote raise awareness. I want to raise awareness that words have power, and how you treat 
your autistic child and how you talk about them, how you act around them, has real effects and real consequences. But yeah, uh, that's all I pretty much have to say. And that's why I'm working to shift the narrative on everything autism. See ya.